If you want a sign that humanity's still got it going on. The people are revolting. Welcome to People Are Revolting, a daily dose of disobedience. First up is a piece written by Chris Walker, published at truthout.org. Demonstrators interrupted a speech by President Joe Biden on Monday demanding that his administration push for an immediate ceasefire in Israel's genocidal bombing campaign against Gaza as the Palestinian death toll tops 23,000. Biden's speech took place at the Mother Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a historic black church that was the site of a white supremacist shooting in 2015. The speech, which centered upon the dangers of a second Trump presidency in 2024, came as Biden prepares to go head-to-head against the former president, despite record low polling numbers, perhaps in part due to his staunch support for Israel's genocide. The pro-Palestinian demonstrators were among members of the crowd listening to Biden's speech. After Biden referenced the people who were massacred in the church, one of the protesters stood up and shouted, If you really care about the lives lost here, then you should honor the lives lost and call for a ceasefire in Palestine. That demonstrator was joined by others nearby who began chanting, Ceasefire now, bringing the president's speech to a temporary halt. Supporters of Biden attempted to shout over the demonstrators, chanting four more years to drown them out. After the protesters were ushered out of the church, Biden resumed his speech acknowledging their interruption before continuing his planned remarks. I understand their passion, he said. I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out of Gaza. While there is little evidence that Biden is quietly working to reduce bombings in Gaza, there is evidence that the White House is pushing to be able to conduct arms deals with Israel in complete secrecy, and that his administration has attempted to crush internal dissent on the genocide. Biden's claims are also contradicted by statements from multiple current and former leaders of the Israel Defense Forces, IDF, in recent weeks. For example, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, a spokesperson for the IDF, said that fighting in the region would continue during the year 2024. Another former IDF official, retired Major General Amos Yadlin, said that Israel would remain in Gaza for around nine months to a year. And in late December, Israel's Chief of Staff, Herzi Halevi, said that the war on Gaza would last for many months. Other protest actions took place in the U.S. on Monday as demonstrators continued to demand an immediate ceasefire and the lifting of the Israeli siege, freedom for all Palestinian prisoners, an end to the occupation, and an end to all U.S. aid to Israel. In New York, hundreds of protesters shut down three bridges and one tunnel in the city, disrupting traffic to draw attention to the genocide. According to the New York City Police Department, around 325 people were arrested in the protests. Since the Hamas-led attacks on October 7, the IDF has killed more than 23,000 Palestinians in Gaza, more than 9,000 of whom are children. Several international bodies, including many officials at the United Nations, have warned that Israel's siege of Gaza is targeting civilians and putting millions at risk of full-fledged 
starvation. Next up is a revised statement from Free Palestine CHS. Updated statement on President Biden campaign disruption in Charleston, presented by Free Palestine Charleston. Six members of Free Palestine Charleston on January 8 participated in a disruption to call for a ceasefire in Gaza during President Joe Biden's speech at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston. A crowd of over 100 people simultaneously gathered at a permitted event in Marion Square to show our support for Palestine. Biden's refusal to call for a ceasefire, ongoing arms transfers to Israel without Congress approval, and failure to acknowledge that Israel's actions constitute genocide as outlined in the UN Genocide Convention, a treaty that the United States is a signatory to, demonstrate that he is more than complicit in genocide, he, ha- he is an active participant. Free Palestine CHS recognizes the delicate nature of this action, given the Mother Emanuel AME massacre less than a decade prior, and the sanctity of the church itself to many members of the community. The nonviolent demonstration was planned by local black and Palestinian leaders in consultation with members of the AME community to respect the church's history. We decided the best way to honor the church's mass shooting victims and its long history as a site of civil disobedience would be to wait until President Joe Biden began his speech to disrupt, rather than detracting from any of the church's esteemed black elders or devaluing a place of worship. But to be clear, this was not a church service. It was a political campaign event. Several black congregants associated with Free Palestine CHS were also singled out and denied entry to the event, including lead Charleston Black Lives Matter organizer Marcus McDonald. Quote, We find it so disrespectful that President Biden has come to the place of massacre while actively benefiting and promoting a genocide and massacre in Gaza, McDonald said. My church missed the mark. It missed the call of Jesus to choose the oppressed, the orphan, the widow, and the refugee over the empire. President Biden has no place speaking from our pulpit to invoke the lives lost at Emmanuel, while simultaneously ignoring the thousands of lives lost in Gaza, the bombing of Bethlehem, and apartheid in the Holy Land. I stand in the heritage of protest that birthed the AME Church to issue the only righteous call, to study war no more. We are not free until Palestine is free, said Pastor Darian Jones of Monk's Corner AME. As residents and community members of Charleston, we know that all struggles for liberation are intertwined. Atrocities committed against black folks in the U.S. and Palestinians in Gaza have always belonged to the same system of violence. Bishop Samuel L. Green spoke of Malcolm X and James Baldwin as two righteous leaders in his introductory remarks. Both famously strongly supported Palestine for their entire lives and careers as civil rights activists. So as one of our members said to begin the disruption, if you really care about the lives lost here, then you should honor the lives lost and call for a ceasefire in Palestine. We must pressure our elected officials at the local, state, and federal levels. But our work doesn't begin or end with a ceasefire. We believe liberation means freedom and justice for all those living in occupied Palestine. 
We believe in humanity and joy, not only an end to this horrific genocide, but a world in which Palestinians can grow old alongside their friends and family. We acknowledge the absurdity of having to even make this ask. Our demands consist of the following. 1. An end to the deadly exchange. The transfer and manufacturing of weapons among the Israeli government, the United States government, and oppressive government regimes throughout the world. Among the exchange 2022 program participants was Deputy Chief Dustin Thompson, Operations Bureau Commander, Charleston Police Department, Charleston Ex-Chief of Police, the late Luther Reynolds, participated in, in 2018, and former Sheriff Al Cannon attended a similar summit in Israel in 2009. His trip cost $3,000 and was financed via seized drug funds, the SC Post and Courier wrote. Number two, an end to the normalization of Zionism and violence against Palestinians in every aspect of our lives, including, but not limited to, media narratives, institutional support, and government backing. Zionism is a political ideology rooted in white supremacy and Western imperialism that promotes the belief in the establishment of a Jewish state on historic Palestinian land. Evangelical Zionism funds the majority of contributions to Israel and is one of the most powerful lobbies in politics. Number three, accountability for elected officials who actively support and even praise Israel's war crimes. Our state treasurer recently signed a bond allotting $30 million of our tax dollars to further Israel's mass murder of Palestinian men, women, and children. We do not want our tax dollars supporting genocide. Number four, an end to Elbit Systems, a facility manufacturing weapons the IOF currently uses to commit its crimes against humanity, operating in Ladson, South Carolina. Elbit Systems invested $35 million in the relocation and recently opened its 135,000-square-foot plant in Ladson. It receives tax cuts for its investment. Quote, a 2019 fiscal year report disclosed the company's extra revenue diverted $423 million from public schools across the state, disproportionately low-income schools with mostly black and brown students. Number five, a free Palestine. We refuse to remain silent. Our peaceful act of disruption during Biden's speech, including our full compliance with U.S. Secret Service agents and the demonstration at Marion Square, were committed to that end, drawing attention to the horrors our elected officials want us to forget about, despite funding them with our tax dollars. President Biden responded to our action with vague mumbling about how he is negotiating with the Israeli government. We need more than empty promises and ambiguous words. From holy city to holy city, Charleston demands a ceasefire, a free Palestine, and an end to Charleston taxpayers' money funding Israel. And finally for this episode is a piece published at Reckon News, written by Emma Akpan. This Monday at the church where nine black church members were gunned down by white supremacist Dylan Roof in 2015, Protesters interrupted a speech by President Joe Biden to call for a ceasefire and an end to U.S. support of the Israeli military slaughter of innocent civilians in Palestine. As a member and former ordained elder of AME Church, I cannot think of a better way to honor the lives lost 
to white supremacist violence and the century-long legacy of resistance of the black church. For three months, the state of Israel has been bombing the people of Gaza in their hospitals, homes, and places of worship. As members of the black church, we cannot see these actions and our government's support for them as separate from the deadly threat that our own families and places of worship face from white supremacy. The brutal murders of nine church members and their pastor and mother Emmanuel AME Church during Bible study on June 17, 2015, are part of a long history of white supremacist attacks on the black churches. The goal of those who take aim at our sacred gathering places has always been to dismantle the religious and cultural centers of black life, eradicate our history, and impose terror on black people that serves as a constant reminder that we were never supposed to have bodily autonomy or move freely in a country that was built off of our free labor. The protesters calling for a ceasefire want to end the brutal violence in Gaza that is rooted in the same forces that put black communities at risk in the United States. They want the U.S. to cease support of a violent invasion that has left more than 20,000 people dead. They simply want to keep people alive. Yet the reaction to this act of peaceful protest calling for an end to one of the most horrific wars in modern history has been mixed. Some leaders said the space was, quote, too sacred for direct confrontation of a sitting official. One churchgoer who was present at the massacre in June 2015 expressed that she was frightened when the protesters interrupted as it reminded her of the act of terror. Leaders even anticipated the protesters, asking that everyone to show respect by not interrupting the speech before it began. I was not surprised by these reactions, but dismayed. By ejecting these protesters, church leaders are willfully covering their eyes to the ways that imperialism and white supremacy manifest globally. Just over a century ago, black churches were one of the few refuges where enslaved black people gathered. There were spaces where people came to secretly learn to read and write. They served as stops on the Underground Railroad. In the 1950s and 60s, black churches would go on to become organizing hubs for the leaders of the civil rights movement. I am proud to be a member of the AME Church precisely because of the urgency with which our leaders have fought against racial hatred in the past. Mother Emmanuel AME itself has a long history of resistance as one of the oldest black congregations in the South. One of its famous members, Denmark Vesey, a free black man living in South Carolina, planned an insurrection to attack slaveholders and sail free black people to Haiti in, in 1822, before his plan was leaked and he was executed. Growing up, my church was my community. It was where I learned how to share in the joys and sorrows of others. It was the place that taught me what it meant to live my values and stand up to injustice wherever it exists with brave moral clarity. I was inspired by our Black History Month celebrations when we dressed up as freedom fighters like Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth, reciting passages telling of their sacrifice and heroism. But it is also a place where I have seen the dangers of a moderate approach to politics that maintains the status quo while making members feel as if it were having an impact. The church's response to issues like abortion access and same-sex relationships was placating at best, with statements like love the sinner, hate the sin, and at worst, a direct condemnation of people sitting in the pews. 
Following the ejection of the protesters, Biden said quietly, I understand the passion and I have been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out of Gaza. He went on to discuss the 2015 shooting, calling white supremacy a poison, and later invoked the name of Denmark Vesey. To me, the silencing of this protest is a direct affront to the legacy of Mother Emanuel AME. One only need to look at the scale of the continued brutality in Palestine, where tens of thousands are dead and over one in four people are now starving, to understand just how hollow Biden's words really are. If these church members really wanted to honor the Emanuel Nine, Denmark Vesey, and renounce white supremacy, they would have supported the protesters and specifically called out Joe Biden for his support for the war on Gaza. Our churches must continue to be sites of dissent, especially in the face of the unthinkable scale of killing happening in Palestine. It is the only way to truly honor their tradition of resistance. If you want to follow People Are Revolting on social media, you'll find us in the Fediverse at Moving Train Media at Collectiva.social. If you want to listen to back episodes, head over to PeopleAreRevolting.com. Keep revolting, and thanks for listening. If you want a sign that humanity's still got it going on, the people are revolting. I think you just nailed it.